I want them to know that we're not all out to just put one over on them, right? We're not just looking to sell product and move on. There's a there's a, a popular book called All Marketers Are Liars. I disagree with that. Some marketers are liars. Honestly, the, the majority of people I know in cybersecurity marketing genuinely care about improving the day-to-day of the people that we're trying to make into our customers. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. That's Nathan Burt, CMO for Axonius. One of the hallmarks of this show is the fact that I reach beyond the CISO community to include voices from other realms of cyber, vendors, analysts, etc. It occurred to me that very few of us CISOs truly understand the plight of the chief marketing officer. We all have our complaints about how we are marketed too, but I thought we should hear from the other side. To that end, I invited my two favorite cybersecurity CMOs, Nathan Burke, CMO for Axonius, and Julie O'Brien, CMO for Attack IQ. In full transparency, they have both sponsored the show in the past, and in fact, I think Attack IQ is the current sponsor of this show at the time of airing, although not at the time of recording. But note that my show is never pay-to-play. No guests can buy their way onto the show, and no guests are here unless I invited them. These two are truly pros at their game, and I thought that the rest of us could really benefit from their wisdom. So without further ado, I introduce... Oh, wait. I should also note that I am on Attack IQ's advisory board as well. Uh, When you've been around in cyber as long as I have, it's all about relationships and entanglements are impossible to avoid. I don't care. I hope you don't. This is a good show. Without further ado, Julie and Nathan. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford. All right, let's start with you, Julie. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your day job and a little bit about how you got into your current role as CMO? Sure. It's great to be here too, Alan. Thank you. I sound like this not because I was smoking cigars and dancing on pianos last night, but because my youngest son just gave me his cold. So hence the frog in the voice. But, you know, I didn't plan to move into cyber. I actually thought about security marketing as like the people who market the dark hoodies and the doom and the gloom. And I never actually thought I would move into this part of the technology space. But I really couldn't resist the value proposition of Attack IQ, where I'm this current CMO. The concept is really simple, but powerful. We're kind of like the Fitbit for the CISO. So we help you understand the gajillions of controls that you actually invested in are doing anything to protect you. And so um, in the midst of COVID, when I switched from Nutanix to Attack IQ, it just felt like the right thing to do because we were all feeling unstable, um, not secure. And I, I felt drawn to the mission of the company, which is to make the world safe for computer. It felt like a rally cry to me. So I shifted from a 7,000-person company to a 120-person company at the start of the pandemic, thinking, what could possibly go wrong? And it's been, and it's, it's been great. That is so awesome, the, the, the noble cause of protecting us. All right, Nathan, how about you? And by the way, welcome to the Cyber Ranch. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So, yep. Uh, my name is Nathan Burke. I am the Chief Marketing Officer at Exonius. We help IT and security teams control complexity by solving one of the most fundamental issues out there, and that is asset management. So this is my fifth startup. It's my third cybersecurity startup. The first was CloudLock, one of the early CASB solutions uh, acquired by Cisco in 2016. The most recent one was Hexadite, uh, a source solution. We only existed for a year and a half before Microsoft acquired us. Now I'm at Exonius. I was the first US employee this week was my four-year anniversary, and now we're about 300 people. All right, so how about, let's dive into the meat of this whole show. So there are 
tons of things coming my way, right? And I'm putting on my CISO hat here. There's tons of stuff comes my way. I'm curious how you guys see it. How do you stand out in a crowded market and how do you get your value prop across the table when the CISO is getting inundated with, I was just talking to a CISO buddy of mine last night and he said he's literally getting like 20 cold contact emails a day or cold LinkedIn contacts a day. Like, I'll start with you, Julie. How the heck do you get your value prop across the table in that noisy storm? Mm-hmm. It's a real challenge, especially when you layer the times that we're in right now with COVID. You know, I was reading something the other day that I mentioned, you know, 41% is the average revenue spent on marketing. And so there are a lot of offerings in the market. There's a ton of noise. We're a fast-growing Series C company, but our pockets are different than the established players. And so we have to authentically find a way to build relationships, build rapport, build trust for what our technology can do and let the value proposition stand for itself. And so I appreciate that everyone's inboxes are probably exploding because the way that we're trying to reach out to you all is through digital mediums. And, um, and that's challenging because you're getting, you're getting slammed by every vendor that has a worthy cause that wants to get in front of you. And so what we've really tried to do um, in the midst of COVID, but it's been part of our strategy as a company from the beginning, is to help the cybersecurity community <laughs> through our academy approach and our community approach. And so we've provided free cybersecurity education from everything from purple teaming to how to operationalize MITRE attack to uh, breach and attack simulation. What is it? How do I use it? And provide basic to advanced training content that is, you know, for real certification, for real credits, bringing real value to our customers and our our prospects. And that has helped us stand out in a noisy market. Uh, We have 23,000 students that are practitioners in 180 countries now. And um, I think, you know, as I mentioned before, as a fast growing company, it's been a way for us to have conversations, but have conversations that are based in knowledge and best practice sharing. I love it. So you're giving out free knowledge as opposed to giving out free socks. <laughs> well, we still do the swag. Um, I'm wearing some now for the Informed Defenders community. Right, but right. Um, but yeah, it's knowledge. I, I have to confess as a CISO, I have a drawer full of socks. I, I, I like them. I actually, every time they're offering socks, I snag a pair as long as they're colorful and loud. I'm, I'm, I'm into crazy socks. Good to know. All right. So Nathan, how about you? How do you stand out? The noisy storm, you know, how do you get the value prop of Axonius across the table? So other than putting the value prop on socks, you're saying? Yes. Other than using (laughs) socks. By the way, you just, in an upcoming episode, you're going to be talking about how many pairs of socks you just got shipped to your house because you just asked for it. You know that, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. All right. So, you know, this is probably a vast oversimplification. But when I, but when I think about it and, and when I'm trying to answer this question, I, I like to split the world into two. And I think of it two ways. First is if you're a product that is already in, a, in an existing and defined market. And the second is if you're a product in a totally brand new category. And, and I think you, know, there, you could argue that one's more difficult than the other. I think they're just different challenges. It's really the question of how do I stand out in in a market that already exists, that people know about, and it's really uh, seen as kind of like a commodity market. How do I say that I'm different from somewhere else versus the other where I'm saying, I've got to convince you that I have solved a problem that is worth looking at right now. And and they're just very different and they're different approaches and I'm, I'm happy to get into the details. But in both cases, I think the only real way to stand out is to be unique, is to be clear and to be concise. And and the way I've always approached it is is kind of a simple framework. It's this idea of there's a problem that's getting worse. Um, the, this problem manifests itself in the following ways. 
uh, and you have to be able to quantify the pain, right? Yep. And then you say to someone, if you were to solve this problem, would, would this approach work? And, and if that works, wouldn't it provide you with these new benefits? Um, would it allow you to refocus people that are doing manual work onto something more strategic and, and higher value? And then um, the other the, the other thing I, I said briefly and I think is really, really important is the ability to quantify the value of solving the problem. Uh, mm -hmm. We do that in a pretty straightforward way. And I, I think it's non-controversial. You know, how much time do you have uh, peop people spending on, you know, counting assets and preparing right. for an audit, um, getting that inventory, gathering data for incident response, and then put a price tag on that, on the, the time spent. And then if we could get rid of 30%, 50%, 70%, whatever, does that make it worth solving? So I think it's it's all of those together. It's uh, a, a unique and concise story. It's, is this valuable enough that it's worth solving? And then can you put, put a price tag on the value if you were to solve it? I like that. I like that a lot. So that that ties into another theory I've got, though, because you talk about being concise. You talk about making it measured. And, and I'll throw this one at you, Julie, first. But it, it ties into this idea I've always had that companies should, in their marketing, outline what they don't do, right? Like I'm going to pick on the sassy world, for example. Neither one of y'all are in the sassy space. I can pick on the sassy space. There are vendors who truly have a true sassy play and have for some time now. And then there are vendors who have taken 15-point uh, products, thrown them in a box, and slapped a sassy sticker on it, and they hit the market with it, right? And so what you end up seeing is um, these claims, especially from the multi-point product solutions where they kind of bundled, they claim up front to do absolutely everything. And the CISO has to meet with them, has to drill in. You have to go through the demo call, and then you have to go through the POC. And then finally during the POC, you uncover like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys don't even do this bit at all, and I really need this bit. Uh, I had a friend who just went through this exercise uh, and uh, with a sassy company was absolutely livid that that it took him all the way to the almost, you know, sale before he uncovered a critical gap. And so the question for you guys is, and I'll start with you, Julie, why doesn't marketing more often emphasize what isn't done? Like, like, can't you guys proactively just own like, <laughs> and here's what we don't do. Like, like, mm -hmm. why isn't that done? I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a, I think it's a really great question. Um, you know, perhaps some of the companies out there and some of the sales teams are just afraid of not getting a foot in the door to have an exploratory conversation. I mean, you can keep me honest, but I think we're pretty clear on what we say we do. We do automated control validation. So you can answer, could this breach happen? Could this attack happen to yeah. us? But I love the idea of starting a campaign on specifically what we don't do. So I'll need to noodle on that just a little bit more. But I think um, we all probably, as marketers, do a pretty decent job of telling you what our competitors don't do. Right. Um, I know we've got the checklist, like right, right. here are the, yep. the core functionality, right, compared to XYZ in the same space. Yep. But I think if you're not authentic in general with what you don't do, if you oversell your product or you oversell your capabilities, particularly in the cybersecurity software space, you know, the, the pressure is so high, the risks are high, people's jobs are on the line. You have to have an honest approach to what your product does. It's going to be the fastest way for you to lose credibility as a vendor. Yeah. So I'm really intrigued by this idea of a campaign of here's what we don't do and you know, putting it right. straight on the right front page of the website. There you go. In the meantime, we'll give you those checklists about what our competitors don't do. <laughs> right, right. Um, so you have a comparison. But um, but yeah, I think it comes down to just being authentic because you are going to get to that point in the sales cycle or you know, even after the fact when the product's deployed. And if you don't do what you said you were capable of, you know, jobs could be at stake. 
Yeah, I'm a, as a CISO vendor, I'm in sales calls on occasion, and and my sales team looks at me funny when I'm like, "No, we suck at that." <laughs> <laughs> I'll just they'll ask me about this part, and I'll be like, "Yeah, no, you should probably use that solution for that. We we've got it, but it's rudimentary." Or you know, like I'm honest, I'm completely truthy mm-hmm. about it, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's refreshing to me. I, I hope uh, for the for the clients in that scenario. How about how about you, Nathan? What's your take on uh, how do, how do we market what we don't do? Yeah, and and what you just said, I think that gives you credibility. Yep. Right? You hear that on a call. If someone asks you, well, wait a second, do you do this? No, we. Th- that's where we stop. But uh, it, it's funny, it reminds me, I was at, I think it was RSA three years ago now. Yep. I don't know. Time doesn't exist anymore. And I remember seeing in the airport, um, this big like advertisement for a printer company that said something about zero trust. And I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I, it, to me, it's a structural problem, right? In many cybersecurity companies, marketing departments are evaluated and they're judged based on numbers rather than buying intent. That's why you see at RSA and at Black Hat, people at booths just scanning any badge that comes by. They don't care at all if people are qualified. And you yeah. see this a lot. Um, the idea is if we scan a badge or we get someone to fill out a form to get any information, we'll call that a hot lead and we'll have, hand it over to sales. And that's that's what Smoking we're saying. We did lead. our job. Yeah, That's exactly right. And yeah. we figure we've got enough products that as long as we get some information, those guys are going to sell something, right? Right, right? And it's totally inefficient. It's a, an archaic process that is at best a waste of time. And at worst, it annoys the people that we're trying to make happy customers. And man, do you guys talk to each other? And yeah. if the vendor annoys you. Uh, there is a Discord server somewhere. There's a Slack channel somewhere. And they're saying like, stay away from this vendor. And that's, yeah. it's right. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, like, like Julie was saying to me, I would much rather say exactly what we do and what we don't, because I want to set those expectations from the start and never disappoint anyone. And, and if my target audience understands what the limits are, they're not going to invest a ton of time like you were just saying your friend did yeah. uh, to only later figure out that this thing doesn't do what I was looking for in the first place. And yeah. and the other side of that, too, is even more pragmatic. It's if I tell you that, you know what, we don't do that, but you tell me um, I want this feature and then we build it yes. later. How much yes. happier are you going to be that you had influence on yeah. the roadmap of a product that that you're interested in. So we, we've we got several add-ons and features that came from exactly that yep. uh, customer feedback. And like, if you want a happy customer, how about a customer that had influence on the roadmap and you built this thing and you showed it to them and you know what else? Just like they will talk about you not living up to your promise, they will also talk about you delivering on something that you asked yeah. for and you did it quickly and they'll say like, can you believe this customer service? Like, right. that's just the way it is. It works yep. both ways. Yep. Yep. In the CISO slacks, you'll often hear the phrase, they were willing to work with me. Yeah. You know, and that's a, uh, that's a key, that's a key differentiator for sure. So let's, let's switch gears out on social media. CISOs routinely, and I'm one of them, I'll, I'll, I'll freely admit, uh, have sent out loud public statements about, you know, I hate getting cold calls and I hate when sales does this and I hate when marketing does that. And I think the CISOs have made it pretty darn clear what they do and don't like and what they will and won't tolerate. Right. But what you never see back, at least uh, I've never seen back is the marketing perspective. I've seen some of the sales guys jump in and defend cold calling and give statistics and this kind of thing. But I've never seen the marketing folks step up and say, here's where we're at. Here's where we're coming from. You know, here's here's what we're about and the challenges we face. So 
Here's your audience. You guys are both on microphones with a bunch of CISOs listening to this show. I'll start with you, Julie. What do you want the CISOs of the world to know about, you know, your, your role as a CMO, about your mission of marketing? Like, what do you want the CISOs to know? Oh my gosh, that is a really tough question. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't really thought about that before. Um, I would say, you know, where we started some of this conversation today that the cool thing about technology companies is we're all, we're all innovating. We're trying to bring like transformative, disruptive solutions to the market. And, um, and that's great, but there are, it's a, it's, it is a very complex field. Um, somebody posted the other day, I saw on LinkedIn, if someone tells you they're, um, they're a cybersecurity expert, you should really dig into that a bit more. And they showed this whole map of everything that is now considered to be part of cybersecurity and risk, right? Yeah. And so you've also got vendors aligned to those things, mm -hmm. right? And very niche players. And so I would say, you know, we're trying to we're trying to bring solutions to the table that will solve um, the right problems, you know, at the right time. Mm -hmm. And COVID has made it so challenging yeah. to bring some of these special value propositions into the marketplace. And so I would just say for the, for the CISOs out there that have empathy for the, for the profession of what it means to be a cybersecurity professional and be, carry that weight on your shoulders, we, um, we have empathy. If we have, we have, we're trying to understand um, how slammed you are getting by not being able to go kick tires around a trade show floor because everyone's coming at you over email, over LinkedIn, through, you know, virtual bourbon tastings. And so we're trying to be clever. We're trying to stand out and we're trying to get our value proposition in front of you in a way that um, will catch your attention. And sometimes it lands well, and sometimes we might get a little too creative and, and it goes a little far afield, but we're, we're trying to figure out which channels are the right ones and how we can get in front of the people that are trying to solve a problem like what we solve, which is understanding if what you actually spent money on is, is doing what it needs to be doing to protect your organization. And when a board member comes to you and says, could this happen to us? You feel confident that you have the answer to that. Right. So, so it's challenging. I would say it's challenging right now for everyone. And we're doing the best we can. We're trying to have as much empathy as possible. <laughs> and if you have any solutions or suggestions for how best to do that, you know, I'm all ears. You can find me on LinkedIn and let me know. Right on. All right, Nathan, how about you? What do you want the CISO to hear? You got an audience. Yep. I want them to know that we're not all out to just put one over on them, right? We're not just looking to sell product and move on. There's a, there's a, a popular book called All Marketers Are Liars. <laughs> um, I disagree with that. Some marketers are liars. Um, and honestly, the, the majority of people I know in cybersecurity marketing genuinely care about improving the day-to-day -day of the people that we're trying to make into our customers. And, and I also want to make a point here. It might be a weird spot to do it, but I, I think it's the only place I, I want to talk about this, which is the days of making everyone talk to sales first before ever seeing the product, mm -hmm. those are ending. The way that people search for and evaluate products changing quickly. And soon only the most old school companies out there are going to make you get on a 30 minute demo with sales before actually seeing the product. And it's a massive change, but it's a bell you can't unring. Mm -hmm. So I think the days of just saying anything to get them on a call with sales, those are ending. And I think the old school way we've done things that I've, I've said before are like totally inefficient and archaic. Those are ending. In the days of show me the product, 
Um, it will change the fundamental exchange between the the marketers, the vendors, and those people that are um, prospects and uh, hopefully customers. All right, let's pause right there for a quick word from our sponsor. You're in charge of cybersecurity at your company, but do you really know what's going on with your security controls? And are they actually working to keep you safe? The problem is when controls fail, they fail silently. That's why you need Attack IQ, the automated insights platform to continually validate your defenses. Better insights, better decisions, real security outcomes. That's Attack IQ. Check them out by visiting attackiq.com. And thank you, Attack IQ, for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking from my own experience, both of y'all's answers, and, and yeah, I, I, I get it. It gels. So yay, the CISOs have heard your message. Now let's talk about trends in marketing because uh, you kind of brought that up that there's changes are coming. Uh, one of the bigger changes I've seen in marketing just in general, because we, we've already talked about, Julie, you talked about it's all online and digital now. And Nathan, you said there's this old style and this new style. And one of the things I've personally perceived in the new style is companies are allowed to have personalities now. Like it used to be just the facts, ma'am, kind of thing. Like we have a product and you may buy the product and these are the features. And it seems to me now that companies are allowed to get out there. Like I'm, I'm looking at Wendy's, right? I think Wendy's is, is the pinnacle of this, like snark and sass and fun. And obviously nobody in cyber is going to quite be that over the top. But, but Julie, walk me through, like, how do you, how do you create a personality for a company and how do you get it out there? Yeah. It's, um, that was actually one of the challenges when I first joined the company because, um, the 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 vibe of the brand just even from like the colors was was just dark mm -hmm. right and we're all about purple teaming and enabling purple teaming and so you, you can start to see where we've injected that into our brand we want to show up as cyber smart approachable and community oriented because that those that that is part of our mission to get back to the community at large and so we're all about bringing serious content to the table whether you're looking for something like you know, how do I operationalize my attack for AWS and Azure, but also with lighthearted memes. And so you'll see that if you follow us on social media, there'll be this, um, this just nice mix of content that you can use that's actionable, that is, you know, knowledge based. And then you'll find just, you know, some lighthearted sides to the company as well, right? Where, whether we're sharing some of the experts in our team, you know, in support, for example, or in the engineering team, or, you know, I think Cybersecurity Awareness Month, everyone had fun with different polls and giveaways and, and things like that. But we just, we, we want to be, we want to be somebody that's seen again as approachable. We know what we're doing, but we're lighthearted, but not so light in that we're trivializing the the day-to-day -day, you know, impact mm -hmm. um, that you have as a CISO. So I think it's great that brands can show up for who they are. And, and I know when I work with vendors, I want to do business with people that feel like an extension of my team. Yeah. Um, we all know the people in our vendor community that, that we actually enjoy working with right. and consider to be an extension of our team. That's how we show up in the market. Yeah, well, there's a reason you two are on my show, right? I've, been, I've enjoyed every <laughs> encounter I've had with the both of y'all. We've, we've had various relationships. All, you know, I've had different relationships with the both of y'all and here you are. So Nathan, how about you? How do we, how do we do that personality thing? Is it, is it truly valuable? Is it the right trend and how do you do it? Yeah, I like the, I like the one word that you used on that, and um, you're talking about the the trend that they're allowed to have personality. And I think yeah. the word they're allowed is like I think it's absolutely essential. I think you have to earn the right to be boring. Right? Okay. 
you the newer you are, the harder it is to stand out uh, against the old established players. And the only way to do that is to have a point of view and that point of view better be different. And I, th- I think, you know, there are some good examples and bad examples. I think one that I've seen a, a lot lately, I don't love it. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Is the, you know, the first day of prison approach where you're like this new upstart <laughs> And you just like punch you the know, big guy. Gonna, yeah, you come out against the big guy. Sometimes it works, and other times it just feels desperate to me. I don't know. Right, right. Um, but to me, like if you're selling to humans, you need to take into account that these humans aren't entirely rational robots, right? Right. And Julie said it earlier. You have to understand empathy. You got to take into account the fact that these are people that want to do their jobs well, but at the end of the day, they're going to turn off their machine and they want to spend time with the people that they love, and they they want to feel that the 10 or 12 hours they spent uh, chasing down alerts and risks and to keep their company safe was worth it. Right. And, and people always want to feel like the, the time that they spent working is for a bigger purpose and they want to feel appreciated and, and ambulance chasing just doesn't lend itself well to, to that. And I also think that, you know, tell me a cyber company out there that you can think of that does like big brand campaigns that does advertising that that shows people. I it's it's all like mechanical birds. I don't understand right. it. It's the weirdest thing to me. Like the the next time you see a commercial on an NFL game for a cyber com, com, um, company, it's gonna be some kind of mechanical something yeah, or the other. Keyboard, it, the blinky it, lights, the server room. Just, the, yeah. It just is. It's it's very very weird. And I think to me that's a huge opportunity for us to humanize this thing. And hopefully somebody doesn't beat me to it, but we're going to do some uh, some big campaigns around it. But it's all around the idea that, you know, we're talking to humans. These aren't humans that are just thinking about your products every day. But I think what we can do is we can have a personality, we can have a point of view, and we can show that we're trying to make our customers and we're trying to make the community better, not just by buying product. But I think the one thing that is real about the cybersecurity community is that we all can play a part in making us all better. And um, and hopefully, you know, when we talk about all these changes and how things, the old things are kind of dying out, hopefully that will prevail. And, um, and I think you're going to see much more personality and hopefully it's not all everyone copying each other, but it's, it's right. a real point of view. Real, real personalities coming out. I, lo- I love that. And, and I think, you know, yeah, Wendy's has done that. <laughs> they are definitely, they, they are definitely themselves. Like they, you know, when it's a Wendy's post, right? Like they, they've achieved it. So, so that, that also brings me up to another point I want to make. I'm just, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a moment. I got a microphone too. Why not? As a CISO in this industry who has bounced back and forth from practitioner CISO to vendor CISO, right? And I've done this many, many times. I've got a lot of friends who are pure play practitioner CISOs who always ask me, why do you go to the vendor side of the fence? And the reality is, and I'm going to say this with two vendors on the, on the podcast with me, innovation occurs on y'all's side of the fence, not the practitioners, period. And practitioners don't like hearing that. Finding two products that weren't designed to work together and coming up with some glue to make them work together is not innovation. And that's as innovative as a practitioner can get. The innovation always comes from the vendors. And it frustrates me that there's so much hostility at times between the vendor community and the CISO community. Uh, You know, it's like, guys, we're in this together and the innovation is coming from the vendors and we have to pick up what they've come up with, figure out ways to adapt it, improve it. And to Nathan's point, let's get a feedback loop going and improve it and and change it over time. But, but that's just, uh, it's beyond crazy to me that people don't see that, that the innovation comes from the vendor side of the house. And that brings me up to, if you're going to be real innovators, right, 
we see these claims, right? Uh, buzzwords, and and one of the one of the buzzwords that I see that drives me bonkers personally is disruption, disruptive. Like every single vendor on planet Earth claiming to be the disruptor, and obviously that cannot be the case. You know, yes, innovation comes from the vendor camp, but by the same token, not every vendor is truly innovative. A lot of them are just you know sustaining and maintaining what needs to be there, and there's nothing wrong with that either. By the way. But these buzzwords, and it's not just disruption, it's, you know, uh, you guys know. Transformation. Yeah, tra- transformation. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you, you get it. So so yeah. how do you guys see the buzzword thing from the marketing perspective? Because I know some companies are just enmeshed in them and other companies seem to to avoid that trap. But but what's what's your take on the buzzwords, Julie? Oh, gosh. Um, and there are a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> we could probably, between the three of us, make a list of 50 right off the bat. Right. I think it comes back to really understanding your value proposition and understanding so what to the CISO, right? And, and, you know, Gartner and Forrester and some of the other, you know, industry analysts out there, I think in a way they feed into a little bit of this too, right? Because they'll talk about digital disruption is the trend, for, you know, let's pick a year. It mm-hmm. seems like digital disruption has been a trend forever. Yeah. And then a bunch, you know, a bunch of us marketing types will like latch on. Well, Gartner said you should be looking for a digital disruption. That's what we got. Right, right, right. That's us. <laughs> but but it comes back to like, so what? What does that actually mean? Right? right. And transformation or disruption is gonna mean something different for everyone in IT, right? And for even different parts of the cybersecurity function. So I do think there's a little bit of laziness if you're just latching on to the buzzword mm-hmm. du jour. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to authentically drill into what do you actually mean by that and how does it benefit me right. as a CISO? Right. Um, so I think it comes back to really just understanding what you're bringing to the table and why that actually even matters. Yeah, yeah. All right, how about you, Nathan? Yeah. So it was funny. I was just furiously writing a note so I didn't forget this because I wanted to first piggyback on what you said around the idea of how the innovation happens at the vendor side. And and I think one of the things that is really important about this, and, and I think about this a lot because what we do around the idea of gathering all the data from all of the sources that know about assets, correlating it all together to show you what you have, all of that stuff. Like when I talk to someone and they're like, I tried to build something like this, but man, it just doesn't really work that well. It's really hard to stay on yeah. top of. Yeah. I think it's because as a vendor, you can focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a practitioner, you can do a lot of things. You can do a lot just with open source stuff. Yeah. But are you really going to have the team to maintain it, right. to make sure it still works, to, to keep up with every API? So I, I don't think it's it's something where you're saying like, I... I I can't do this. No, you could if you had an army of people, but you don't. You're focused on other things. So I think it has to be the vendor that does it because you just don't have the bandwidth to do it. Yep, you totally that's could. That's a real good point. And a lot of conversations, we say that. Like, And when I talk about the approach, I say it like that. If you had the time to do that, would this approach work? So I think it has to happen at the vendor side. Yeah. There just isn't enough bandwidth to do as much as you guys are doing. To, to the, the buzzword thing, is it laziness? Yeah, partially. But I also think that in a lot of cases, cybersecurity marketers that don't have a really technical background are intimidated by the tech they don't understand. And mm. the, the other thing is even more practical than that 
attaching to a big buzzword that everyone uses, uh, like a Gartner or whatever, yeah, is the way that you justify a bigger price tag. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's true. Like, if I'm saying that I am a an XDR zero trust uh, end to end <laughs> encryption, what like, yeah, add anything onto With it? With ML and AI and blockchain. <laughs> as, blockchain. <laughs> as I'm mentioning those, just add another zero and add another zero, right? Like, that's that's what you're doing. Um, and, and the other thing I'll mention too, and like, I don't want this to sound humble braggy. I really don't mean it to, but I, I, th- I think this kind of opens the door a little bit, like a little behind the scenes on, on this buzzwordy thing. So when we started out, we were explaining what we did to, you know, a dozen Gartner analysts and we talked to one and they're like, well, this isn't a market. And then we talked to another and they would say like, well, this, this is a feature. And I'll never forget. I talked to one. He's like, you guys are like a platypus. Like what? He's like, well, you've got a bill like a duck. You got web feet, but you got fur. And he's like, it's the like you don't fit into any category. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. we came up with this category. We called it cybersecurity asset management. And yep. it is not. It is very far from a perfect thing. And just yesterday, I got an email from a very very big vendor about a webinar they're doing on this new thing called cybersecurity asset management. And I'm like. You've got to be kidding me. And yep, I should yep. be, I should feel like, oh, you know, that's flattery, whatever. But yeah. like it is, it's, we see anything that picks up any steam and we copy it. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I, I personally hate that, but I think, you know, it is, it's, it's a way to, to try to justify a bigger price tag, but it's also just a way to say, if people are saying this and if people are searching for it, then we're just going to put our lure in the water and, and hope that yeah. that's what gets them in. So I think it's all of the above. I think it's a little bit of uh, just trying to copy what, seems to be trending and, yep. and trying to capitalize that. Uh, I think it's a little bit of, I don't have the time to create a new market, so I'm just going to copy what's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of all of the above. And then, you know, it's it's trying to justify that big price tag. So that's a, that's, that's a solid answer. We're getting close to the end of the show, guys. I'm going to ask you one question that I ask every guest. And Nathan, I'll start with you. What surprises you the most in cybersecurity? Two things. One is community. Mm-hmm. I, I said it in a different way before about how uh, how you all talk to each other. Um, and I think what's what's weird about it from from my perspective is in sales and marketing, it is inherently competitive, mm-hmm. right? I will not talk to uh, another marketer that is a direct competitor about uh, with me about like tactics and stuff because you know like, you don't want to give them the edge, right? Right, right, right. Exactly the opposite in cybersecurity. Even two people that are absolute competitors mm-hmm. are going to talk to each other because you don't compete the way that we compete in sales and marketing. Instead, it's a it's an unfair advantage, bad guy versus good guy. And so you all really work together. And that is just it's it's so different from a lot of different industries. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to add a point to that, which is yeah. we're even more likely to communicate with a with a competitor. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the ISACs are. That's exactly what the ISACs are. If one of us is a target, we're all a target. You know what I think about? I think about like casinos uh, uh, many, many years ago. It might even still exist. They have that book of cheaters. Yeah. Right. That they and all they share with each, each other. other. Yeah. That's what cybersecurity is like. Yep. Competing casinos, they still share that information. And in cybersecurity, like that's the that's the community aspect. And it is, it is just so tight and strong together that yep. it's, it's really surprising to people that aren't in, in cybersecurity. And and so the first is, is community. And then the second that surprises me is how hard it is to be a security practitioner. Just yeah. how difficult the job is. And, 
and I, I don't think people really think about that so much. But you know, we we work with security practitioners that are on our team that that just made the leap from being security yeah. practitioners to actually being on my marketing team. Right. And and just like seeing how different their day to day is now from what they were yeah. doing before. Yeah. It's just it's amazing how difficult it is. And I think when we talk about empathy and and we empathize and and try to understand their roles, I think we really have to we have to think a lot about how hard it is because it's not that they're ignoring your product because they've got a ton of time and they're just, you know, not dealing with it. It's because they've got a million other things to do. And we really should take that into account in our messaging and the way we approach people because the lights went on in the morning, they're going to go off at night and they don't have your product. Yeah. The job is just so difficult and we need to keep that in mind in everything we do when we market to, to our prospects. Yep. I, I sometimes feel every cyber company's real motto should be making CISOing suck less. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit less. <laughs> All right, Julie, close us out. What is it that surprises you the most in cybersecurity? Yeah. Um, so I have, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been in technology marketing for a long time, uh, whether it was, you know, on routers and collaboration from Cisco or collaboration tools from Box or data center, you know, infrastructure with Nutanix and, and now into cybersecurity. And I do feel that the pressure in particular for this function inside of IT, this area of expertise is unlike anything that that I've experienced dealing with customers and other parts of technology. And coming back to Nathan's point, empathy is 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 something that is so important for us to have as marketers and sellers as vendors um, in how we come together and actually partner together. The ferocity and the intensity of attacks and the ramp up that we saw during COVID was astounding. And so you have a difficult job that's gotten exponentially more complex. And in and and in cases of industries like healthcare, you know, lives are on the line. Mm-hmm. And so that ferocity and intensity, I think it, it was shocking to me coming into the industry to see how COVID was like just ignited that in such a way that made me feel all the more passionate about wanting to jump in, roll up the sleeves and, you know, what can we do? Because this actually might impact somebody in my family right. who might be in, you know, being admitted to a hospital. I mean, right. the, the ripple effects across industries and in our own lives is palpable. And I do think, you know, if I hadn't really thought about it, I mean, community is a big part of what we do. We, we're part of the Center for Threat Informed Defense. But you're right. I, the partnership, even within the same industry, even within competitors, is really interesting. And I think that goes a long way to say that um, we're, we're stronger together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's upon all of us to share information, to share best practices, to figure out how we can be stronger together. And, and so that, that is a, a really pleasant surprise. And it's one that, that we feel passionate about giving back to. Right on. All right. Well, Julie O'Brien, CMO at Attack IQ. Nathan Burke, CMO at Axonius. Thank you all so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. <laughs>